Welcome back to the Fight Scene Podcast. And the first thing I'm going to say is the best UFC card in history was last weekend. Do you agree or disagree? Oh, without a doubt. Well, card of the year. Without yeah, when you're reflecting on it, like when you're reflecting on it now, and it's only like a couple of days after, you sort of uh, you jump to conclusions pretty quickly, but. Like, in terms of the whole fight card from top to bottom, like, the, every single fight lived up to expectations, which is very, very rare, especially these days. I'd say... Post-USADA. i say the fights lived, like, more to expectations. They delivered far more than what anyone could... All three titles changed hands for a start. It was, like, on paper, like, they were such close matchups. Like, you couldn't have literally wrote down matchups that look closer on paper. And then everyone was like, well, especially us, and a lot of the experts thought that it was going to go to a decision on every single championship fight, which, A, would have been a complete nightmare for the pay-per-view, running on for days with it being five-round fights. But, uh, yeah, they all lived up to expectations. All six of them that were involved in the championship fights just came out to bang and came out to finish. So I've got to give him respect for that. And uh, end of the day, the best man slash woman won every fight in pretty convincing circumstances. Yeah. And do you know, I've seen this the other day, in all three um, fights, all of the three former champions have dropped with a hook. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It's so crazy with them four-ounce gloves how literally anything can happen. I mean, uh, Bisping, all the way through the uh, the build-up to it, was like, oh, please stand and bang with me, please stand and bang with me. And uh, for the best part of it, for most of it, that's exactly what he did. And he uh, pretty much dominated the exchanges on the feet, and then obviously he finished him on the feet as well. I think, to be honest, he's a very, very tactical fighter, George St. Pierre, isn't it? Like, he's used to fighting the five-round fights, and he's there. He thought Bisping was there for the long haul, and if he got the opportunity, obviously he would take it as he did. But I believe he knew we were controlling him on the feet, but he just kind of thought, if I nick a takedown here, and even if he gets up, it, it just cements the round. You know, if it was going any further, like if the judges have seen it as relatively close call, if he nicked a takedown here and there towards the end of the round, which he did in every round, uh, he obviously thought that that had win in the rounds, but when the opportunity arose for him to finish him, boy, did he fucking take it. Oh, too right. He, uh, do you know what? He looked, to, to say he had a four-year layoff, he wouldn't have been able to tell it. He looked absolutely huge. It looked like a middleweight. As simple as I could put it, it looked like a middleweight. And like when you get your massive middleweights like Luke Rockhold and uh, Weidman and what have you, I would imagine that he won't look too far out of place against uh, one of them guys because his wrestling ability, Jesus Christ. I mean, I listened to Chael Sonnen podcast and he said that he was slower than before. He uh, his stand up wasn't quite as good, etc., etc. His takedowns weren't as good. But I think that was bullshit to be honest. He came out and he looked as good as he ever has. And say we're fighting an hundred and eighty five pounder against a lot bigger guy than he's used to. He controlled it very impressively, especially on feet. So working with Freddie Roach has obviously worked massively. Well, Freddie Roach is uh, one for zero in MMA now, isn't he? Or UFC? Yeah, yeah, he is. What a guy. Yeah, we're well, brilliant. I, uh, I've probably watched all fights about like three times. And uh, I just think it was an expert performance by GSP. He never really let Bisping get like get going. And then as soon as he sort of started to mount a tiny bit of offense, you know, in the second round, he just like whipped that takedown in and slowed him down, slowed the game down and took control back of the uh, the round and stuff. But in all fairness, at one point when he did take him down and Bisping started swiping him with elbows from the bottom, Jesus H. Christ, he made a right mess of his face. There was blood everywhere. He was, Bisping done some right damage from underneath, which is very impressive. And and even caught, it even caused GSP to stand up, I think. Yeah, he said after the fight that he just could stand up at will, which I do believe, to be honest. But I think GSP uh, was having so much success on the feet, the takedowns were more like just 
elementary. He did it to sp- score points rather than control the fight. Yeah. He was dominating it wherever it was. But uh, you put him in against like your Woodleys and uh, etc. And I think he'll dominate them really. To be honest, yeah. I think so GSP would absolutely murk Woodley. So while we're talking about that, so GSP Bisping, GSP got the got the finish. But what? Um, I think to be honest, I was on about this the other day, and uh, like GS Bisping did the ultimate like uh, veterans manoeuvre, didn't he? Like Connor did against Diaz and what have you. He was getting lit up on feet, and then he took that big shot and he was down. He knew he was in trouble. He knew he wasn't surviving it. And the first thing a veteran does, so he goes out on his shield and doesn't look like he's been KO'd, is just give the backup instantly and allow them to sink the rear naked choking so they don't take any further damage. Because on your record, to lose by rear naked choke is a lot better and a lot prettier than losing by knockout, isn't it? And Without you, doubt. You know for a fact Bisping was never, ever going to tap Oh no, he'd probably still be asleep now. If if referee wanted to stop to, he'd still have that choke holding now, wouldn't he? <laughs> so <laughs> still doing it. So, but, but fair play to Bisping because he he took the loss like a, a true champ. Oh uh, yeah, without uh, doubt, they did take it like a true champ. And in his post fight interview, he said, "I'm not done yet," which I don't think any of the eighteen thousand fans or any of the million plus pay per view buys fans saw coming. I thought that was it. I thought he was announcing his retirement, walking up into the sunset, hasta la vista. Yeah, I thought that was it for him. But be interesting now because I'd like to see him on that London card now. Against Romero? Against Romero. They've got unfinished, they've got business. There's a, there's a I didn't really think they like. I want it on the card. Um, obviously, Bisping would be the highest paid guy. His flat rate is, what, half a million now? Um, I can let you know what he got paid. Yeah, I think his flat rate is like half a million or 540 or something like that, I'd imagine. And uh, for him to be on that card, though, I'd like him to be on the card, and it will not be anything but the main event, but I'd like him to be the co-main event to Till. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, having Bisping on that card really puts over Till. Like, having him as the co-main, having I Till just... as the main. Even if it was the other way around, it still puts Till over. But... Till's going to want to fight before they can possibly do a Liverpool card, and that obviously is March, isn't it? I think if, if Bisping's going to be on the London card, the only place for him is to headline it. Yeah, exactly, and then he'll put Till as the core main, won't they? Oh, that'd be unbelievable, but it, it, it should be. happen. It, it should is. happen. Yeah, of course it should, but you know the I can't UFC. see why it couldn't happen. You know the UFC why wouldn't it happen? Yeah, but there's no reason why it wouldn't happen. But... Uh, yeah, it was, fun. it was a fantastic fight, to be fair. Like, GSP came, he looked absolutely unbelievable. And I genuinely believe from that point, like, performance, not just jumping gun or anything like that, but I think Whitaker would seriously have his hands full with him. Oh, without a doubt. So, um, by the way, Bisping did get a flat rate of 500,000. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, so, anyway, so, GSP won. Who's, yep. ne- who's next for GSP, then? I think, well, obviously if you listen to the Rogan podcast, he's got a lot more inside information than us. But uh, Woodley's dealing with a torn labrum, isn't it? Like a torn shoulder at the minute. So that's what the hold-up is with Woodley. He injured it, apparently, in the first... Uh, no, sorry, the second Wonderboy fight. Fought through it for the Maya fight, but I think... They're sort of weighing up whether he needs like stem cell treatment or if therapy will uh, do it good. Because if not, it looks like he's going to have to have surgery. And if he has surgery, that is the same surgery that came... So... Right? Yeah, yeah. It literally fucked Kane's whole career up and put him out for like a month. Uh, no, I'm sorry, a year. So it's a hard one. It's a tough one. If it isn't as bad as everyone sort of suspects and they dangle the carrot of George St. Pierre and the payday and the pay-per-view buys and the pay-per-view points as the defending champion, I believe he's got to take it because he hasn't really got another opportunity, has he? The only thing is, um, obviously we know Dana likes to tell Porkies, but um, apparently it was in GSP's contract that if he won, he had to defend it. He had to defend the middleweight belt. And yeah, but they didn't say anything about him defending the middleweight belt next. 
That's very true. And but David did say after the fight that um, Robert Ritter's next to GSP. But like you said, you know anything happens. Anything. It's very up in the air. Like obviously, what makes sense is GSP fighting Whitaker next in Perth because they've announced the card. But after it sold, after it did a seven million dollar gate in New York, which was unbelievable by USC standards, not involving Connor. Um, I'd like to know where that ranks, really. I'd imagine that's first behind any Connor fight in terms of gate. There's not many more that will have touched that. Like Maybe a couple of Brock's fights got close to it. But 7.2 million, I think it was. That's unbelievable. It wasn't even sold out either. It was 18,100, the attendance, out of a possible 21,000. So they didn't manage to sell it out. But obviously, the ticket sales, the uh, ticket prices were just astronomical, which uh, equated to a brilliant gate. But anyway, as I was saying... The fact that it did a million pay-per-views plus, that's the word on the street, I cannot see them going... I cannot see GSP fighting in Australia. I just can't. Like, he's going to fight in North America. Canada, uh, obviously Vegas, New York again. Purely for the pay-per-view buys and the gate that it will generate. Like, so... I don't know. I still think, and... uh, I still think they're going to go with Rockhold Whitaker in Perth. Yeah, it's looking likely. I mean, for, for me, GSP, you have to stick him in Canada next. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. But, uh... Rogers Centre, 65,000 people. Oh, no, obviously, the GSP's gate against uh, Shields was the record, wasn't it? Yeah. Before the uh, Ronda home and the, uh, uh, what's it called, the Connor fights. But, yeah. If I had to make a solid prediction now, I would predict that George St. Pierre will return in Canada around April, May time, and he will fight Tyron Woodley. If I was a betting man, that is what I would put my money on. What about you? Yeah, um, it's hard. I understand why they want him to go to Perth and fight yeah. Whitaker, but if you think about it logistically, it ain't gonna happen. Like, they're not going to sell a million pay-per-views at that time. It'd be like a Sunday, nah, wouldn't it? And you're it'd right. Be like... You're right. Wouldn't so, versus GFT is the bigger, the bigger money fight. Um... And I think that'll obviously lead to uh, Whitaker fighting Rockhold and Bisping's swan song <laughs> against Romero. There's only really Romero that they could put him against in London. Obviously, you're going to sort his tickets out and it's going to be one hell of a night. We've got his hotel booked and what have you already. As soon as they announced it, it was booked within a matter of minutes to the hotel. Oh, uh, tickets go on sale late January, so that should be absolutely epic. Yeah, uh, so let's move on to um, the co-main for 2.17, Cody versus TJ. Wow. I love this card. Like Every single fight is just like main event worthy. And I'm just calling it now. That is, maybe not like obviously next, in an immediate rematch, which I don't think will happen, but that is the first fight of the trilogy. <laughs> Oh, I there's too much rivalry there. Guaranteed the first fight of the trilogy. But what's interesting enough, did you hear what TJ said after when they was like, oh, are you going to give him an immediate rematch? He was like, no, DJ's next for me. Call yourself a champion. Call yourself the pound for pound king. Come and prove it. Uh, so I think that'll happen because he's adamant he can make the weight. But it was interesting what he said about Cody. He was like, well, when I lost a razor close decision to Cruz, I had to fight like three for absolute killers to get my way back to a title shot yeah. so Cody's got to do the same thing like it was touch and go whether he actually lost that Cruz fight I thought he lost it just I think Cruz just outpointed him it's but, very uh, close some people said uh, TJ won yeah exactly but if there was an argument for an immediate rematch that was it wasn't it yeah but he had to fight another three fights I think it was to get back to the title mm. and when he got there boy did he fucking get there I was so impressed with him. He's, like In his interviews, he looks so like calm and well-mannered, and he's got such a calming demeanour about him. And then when he steps through that cage door, he's just like a fucking cage lion, in it? He just wants to rip his whole absolute throat out. Unbelievable. But, so, first round, Cody comes out, and let's face it, TJ needed the end of that first round, because Cody got him good. Yeah, if that had happened with about a minute to go... Would he have finished him? Would he not? It's up in, it's up in air, isn't it? But one thing is for damn sure. His chin was like granite because he recovered from it. 
and his conditioning must have been absolutely out of this world because after he had that minute's rest, boom, did he come back? He came back out as though it was the first round. Yeah, he came back out as a different fight, like not the same TJ did a show that had just been dropped, you know what I mean? It was... Yeah, it was a very close fight. It could have gone like, the way they were throwing, it could have gone either way. And TJ threw a few punctures in that fight where... He missed by an absolute mile. I mean, we were sat in my living room watching it with Domino's Pizza and he nearly knocked me out. <laughs> but, but like you said, they were both swinging. There was both, you know, emotions there. Oh, like yeah, I think both, someone was going. Both, both, of them's game plan, both of them's game plan went out the window, didn't it? Oh, that's it. Straight out the window. And then when TJ shot landed and he was just pounding the living shit out of him, I thought it was like a pretty, um, like, you shouldn't have stopped it so soon. But there, if you re-watch it, which I've like watched like three times... There is a moment where he goes limp on floor, and it's like he's not even. Not only is he not defending himself, he is limping a ball. So it was yeah. a right stoppage. It just threw you off a little bit. The fact that he got up so fast, and then TJ screams in his face. And if I was TJ Dillashaw, that picture of me screaming in a semi-conscious Cody Garbrandt's face would be my profile picture for the rest of my life. That's an awesome also, picture. So I shredded to the absolute bone as well what a guy but in terms of uh, what's next for TJ it has to be DJ doesn't it obviously the Cruz versus Riviera fight is being touted as a number one contender fight but uh, I think obviously TJ came out of it relatively unscathed except from that big shot that he took but uh, I would imagine that in the first quarter of next year as a co-main maybe for the Vegas card in March They'll go with uh, TJ versus DJ for their one twenty-five pound title. I think uh, TJ has it. It'd be interesting to see, you know, how he makes the weight in that. But I think uh, he, he could give uh, Mighty Mouse a run for his money, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, if they uh, if that fight happens, that'll be one. That'll be a ridiculous fight. Like his only loss have come at uh, losses have come at one thirty-five. So he's fighting a genuine one thirty-five pounder. I mean, he walks around, TJ, at 150, so a £25 cut. I'm pretty sure there's people in that £125 division walking around heavier than £150. Yeah, yeah. So I think he can make it, especially like he's been a wrestler. He's had a wrestling background and what have you, hasn't he? So the fact that he's just used to that sort of horrendous cut. That's it. He's got time to prepare for it as well, so, you know. He... But, yeah, in terms of uh, what's next for Cody, I would, me personally, if they go with the TJ-DJ fight, I would have him fight the winner of Riviera versus uh, Cruz. And I imagine it's going to be Riviera, to be honest. He's on an absolute tear, so, isn't he? So, if TJ goes down to 125, would that Cruz, would the winner of Cruz Riviera versus Garban be for interim title, would it? No, they won't do it for an interim. They'd just fight further down the line. It'd just be a number one contender fight, wouldn't it? Because right. unless TJ got injured and was out after that for a prolonged period of time, but if he was just dropping down, I don't think they'd make it for an interim title. Right. I think they'd just uh, what's it called? I think they'd just go ahead with it as like a co-main or something or headline a fight night sort of card. Got you right. So we're moving on. Let's moving talk, on. No, before you start talking. Moving on. All I've got to say is. So gross, so gross, so gross, so gross. That was the best line by here of all time. It was hilarious. He's proper mastered the art of commentary, and he brings personality to it, which when Stan was doing it, and obviously Anik and what all the rest of them, they were the, the sort of personality was being drained out of them, and they were becoming like American football analysts and all them gimps. But having Cormier back in, oh, it's amazing. And him with Rogan, they just bounce off each other. It's like two mates talking about fighting. They're having a great time. I don't know if you've seen the pictures with him, Anik, and uh, Rogan that they're putting up on Twitter and all that. And it's just, yeah. They were buzzing for it. I mean, when he, when she won, he's just screaming at the top of his lungs, still gross, still gross, still gross. It was just like, how can you not love that? It's absolutely amazing. But well, uh, she put on an absolute show, didn't she? I mean, wow. Well, no one's seen that coming, let's be honest. Let's think there was like, if there was, if everyone, like, if you were to analyse it before, like we did, everyone's sort of route to victory for Rose was, they'll get into an exchange, there might be a bit of a clinch up against the cage, and she somehow gets her to the floor, 
controls her and submits her. That was the only route. She, yeah. she came out and beat her at her own game and just took her out. I mean, Joanna didn't. She landed a couple of leg kicks, but I don't even think she landed a punch, did she? So, do you think, like, because during fight week, let's be honest, Joanna came across a bit complacent, a bit overconfident, and a bit of a bully in that. And do you think that played a factor that she wasn't getting any? I don't know. Like, it might be the whole. Uh, it might be the whole Ronda thing. You know, where Ronda like wiped out everyone in the division, and then they said she was struggling. The division caught up to her in the end, don't get me wrong. But they said she was struggling, you know, to uh, get over the fights. And that sort of intensity, shouting in her opponent's face and what have you, that is what, like, she got herself up for the fights. And I believe, to some extent, Joanna saw this as, like, a foregone conclusion. She'll obviously say she didn't because she'll be chatting shit. But she'll have thought she was invincible. She thought Rose is 6-3. and three. She's on a one-fight win streak. She lost to the person that... She beat last year in New York, and and at that level, at the rate that Rose, twenty-five-year-old monster, is improving, you just cannot afford to take anyone lightly. And we saw that first hand because she just demolished her. Yeah, I think um, Rose didn't play into Yana's game either, and I think that's yeah. I might be looking and, too uh, into it, but. Joanna's come out today and said that she did not tap the strikes, and I can guarantee you now, Joanna, you tapped to strikes well I, I watched that video back and she, there was a clear tap from Joanna but uh, watching it back and now it's highlighted to me just before she taps Big John actually goes to and grabs yeah. Rose on the back to stop her so, yeah he taps her on the back and it's done so it is actually if he's like and if you watch it it's just sec, like seconds before yeah. the tap so it was actually a, a TKO finish and but she it was an absolutely Dominant performance, and there's an absolute shark tank waiting for a light Andrage, etc. etc. People that, to be honest, Joanna made mincemeat of and beat, but against Thug Rose, they do make for interesting matchups. I'm not so sure if she's good enough slash complete enough to go on a tear like Joanna did. I do see the belt being a bit ping-ponged around now until Joanna gets a couple of wins under her belt. Like, out of all the champions, the only one that's going to get an immediate rematch, if any of them, is Joanna, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with that. She's the only one that de- deserves it because of the, the tear they but, went on. But... I never think anyone deserves it after a first-round like destruction. Yeah, I'm not a massive fan of immediate rematches unless there was controversy like the... You know, unless there's controversy in the decision and that, or do you know what I mean? But if it's not close, then she has to. I think if Joanna has another fight against a you know um, top contender and that, and she wins that, then oh, she'll be back. She'll be straight back in for a title shot. But uh, moving on to the other two fights that were on the pay per view card, and the other two fights we got right, and we picked them exactly. Boom! Exactly what we said about Wonder Boy. He'd outpoint him, outbeat him, outmatch him, outgun him, outstrike him, and that's exactly what happened. And it was a great fight. It was unbelievable. Like Masvidal's absolutely hard as nails, but if you've been brought up fighting in outside caravans in South Florida with Kimbo Slice and his crew, you know that you're going to be hard as nails anyway. It'd probably be like me trying to puncture holding the outside wall, punching him in the head. He's absolutely unbelievable. He's hard as nails. And when he, do, you, do you ever seen them backyard fights when he had like a yeah, ponytail? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely ruthless. And he's fighting like 33 stone black guys in the middle of Florida. Jesus Christ. But yeah, that that fight was awesome. It was, you know, standard exchange, just as you expected. Just, I love the style that Wonderboy has, the, the karate point stance style. It's just unbelievable. It's good when he goes for the kill. If he's cautious and uses technique too much, it can be a bit boring, especially to the like casual fan. But when he's open, coming forward and going for the kill, there's nothing better to see, especially in that welterweight division. But in his post-fight interview, not the one in the cage, the one with Megan O'Leary on Fox, he said like he's not giving up on the belt. He's coming back for the belt, and uh, that's about it, really. So did it's you, just um, a shark tank. Did you see? Megan, you know that interview, Megan O'Leary, so um, afterwards he went to shake her hand and she just absolutely left him hanging. Did you see that? It's <laughs> no, so no, funny. Not. I was, it's, uh, Megan O'Leary posted it and then he, uh, Wonderboy re- reposted it. Check it out on Instagram, it's, it's hilarious. So um, what's next for Thompson then, you reckon? Oh, I have no idea. 
Maybe. If um, if they're waiting on the Woodley versus uh, GSP fight, in the meantime, they could possibly go with uh, Wonderboy versus Colby, couldn't they? Yeah. For like a title. That'd be pretty good. Number one contender, that, you know, when it gets to the like title. Like a number one shot. contender sort of fight. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Colby's like... I don't think he's ready for a title shot yet. Don't get me wrong, he just demolished Meyer. But you don't you don't just fight one guy in the top five and get a title shot. You've got to take two or three of them top five guys out. But saying that, his mouth is doing all the talking to that title shot. Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. But then Woodley's just being a little bitch about it, like saying, talking it down. If you were Woodley and you can't sell a pay-per-view... This would be music to your ears. You'd be playing up to it. You'd be being an antagonist in the situation. But he's just not. He just plays it all down. I think he's... I think, like... I'm not, I've got no inside information, obviously, on Tyron Woodley. But it's just like... He's got his show on TMZ now, hasn't it? Yeah. He's got his podcast. He's got two or three film roles lined up for 2018, which I've seen. He's got his TV gig. Like, do you know when you look at that welterweight division? I can assure you now, Colby, Till, Meyer, Masvidal, they ain't doing that shit. They're training every single day. And I'm not saying Woodley isn't, but his commitment to the cause in comparison to them guys cannot be the same. Like, with the amount of stuff that he's actually doing. Yeah, getting a bit sidetracked in that, but... mm, I'd like to see what's in play. I'd like to see Woodley fight... uh, I like to see Woodley fight GSP. GSP would get his championship back, and then I would love to see GSP then defend like he did years ago against a run of killers. Like, see how he gets on against Colby. See how he gets on against Till. See how he gets on against Usman as the moving up as he moves up the rankings. You know, like them sort of people. Yeah. He's like got another generation to try and wipe out. And I would imagine somewhere along that line of killers, one of them it gets too much. I would have to imagine as they become more experienced and he gets older. So, uh, moving on to your favourite fighter now. I think I'm going to have to call him out, the big fat bag of shit. <laughs> it was the most... Oh, it was horrendous. Such a horrendous performance. Like, he got took out, didn't he? So, Emphatically, as we predicted. Johnny Hendricks. And uh, he's basically somebody who, when he came into MMA... He was like, I, I like listened to Chael talk about him and his amateur wrestling background. He, his amateur wrestling background pedigree is second to none. Yeah. So you need to bring that into the octagon, which he did. He brought into the octagon, he walked through contender after contender after contender with his wrestling style. And then along the way, he realised that he had a right hand from God and he got married to it. He moved away from the basics and started just completely ignoring technique, and he got married to the right hand and tried to take every single fight out with that. And at that level, when you've got them sort of guys coming up, especially at that 170 pound, you're just going to get eaten up like Kobayashi. (laughs) So do you think Johnny Hendricks was that bad, or just Boricino was that good, if you know what I mean? Well, Well, if history's anything to go by, you would go with Johnny Hendricks being shite, wouldn't you? But, you know, Boricino did look impressive, though. I don't want to take anything away from him. Yeah, he did. He had a body like Mr. Olympia. Johnny Hendricks had a body like Bubba Ray Dudley. (laughs) But it was surprising that he was, like, one of the first to weigh in and he made the weight in that Hendricks. I bet he had some... uh, but he went to every pizza joint he could on Sunday after the fights. I'd love to have seen what he weighs. Like, if we could just get a scaling game to get weighed now, probably weigh 240. <laughs> but, um, so, do you think that's done for Hendricks or carry no. on fighting? No, no. I think he'll carry on. I think he'll carry on. I think he's got another five fights in him. And he'll get knocked out in every single one. Yeah, he's become worse than a gatekeeper, hasn't he? Yeah. Exactly. I don't know, give him Till in, give him till in London. Oh, no, Till t- would, he would leave the octagon and Hendricks and be on the floor <laughs> out. Nah. But, as you can tell, uh, Rossi... It's like the Grim Reaper has just been tapping on Hendricks' shoulder, like, for the last, like, five fights, saying, time's up, kid, time's up, time's up, and he's just like, fuck you, I'm not going anywhere. Boom, knockout, boom, knockout. It's just like, he just takes so much punishment, it's hilarious. 
as you can tell, Rossi is a big fan of Hendrix. <laughs> so, it's just a time and a place, isn't there? For the um, and it's just time and a place to like hang your gloves up. And I think he's got a lot to offer the sport if he like channeled his sort of knowledge into coaching and into development of younger fighters and what have you. He has got a lot to offer, but just hanging around and getting killed by 26-year-olds is just not going to do anybody any favours, is it? Right, so overall, 217, corner of the year for me. Um, Overall, it did, like, everyone's predictions, obviously these are not, like, absolutely 100% set in stone as of yet, but our predictions were around that 700,000 mark. We're off. It did a million, and I think we all underestimated the power of GSP in Canada and the North American market, did we not? Definitely. So, how many people have we got? A, a million estimate? plus. It did a, is, is a million that, plus. Is that like official, is it? Well, that's what Dana said in three different interviews, and Bisping's been told that, so I'd imagine that that's what he's expecting to get paid based upon. So, I would imagine it's just over a million. And uh, that's brilliant numbers, to be fair. But uh, GSP's poll is obviously just as big, if not bigger than ever. And uh, the Canadian market is just so gagging for him. He was winning the uh, Athlete of the Year in Canada when MMA was like nowhere near the size it is now. So, as you can tell, he's only got bigger. And everyone loves a comeback, don't they? I also think uh, Dana said that the... um... 217 did more numbers in Canada than the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Yeah, I can, I can believe it. Like, they're, and they're not quite as rabid as the English, I don't think, but when they've got an athlete slash fighter, they support their guy to the absolute nines, and you can't argue with that. But uh, it'd be interesting to see what's next for him. He's obviously a massive draw, and that's obviously why he got paid accordingly. Like, if he's on... The standard rate that Chael says they all are, like three and a half to four dollars per pay per view buy. And he got two and a half million flat rate. It's gonna be after sponsorship deals and all the rest of that shit. He's gonna be around that sort of eight to ten million take home mark, isn't it? Yeah. So one thing we forgot to mention about two seventeen was the um the two um controversial things that happened. The two uh, controversial decisions. Yeah, well, the Godbeer fight wasn't really controversial at all, no, was it? The referee, right. said, it, it, the referee, the referee it, it, said stop three times, and he just belted him in the head as hard as he could. Yeah, the, the right, the, the, both both fights happened. I mean, I'm just, I'm not saying that the right decision was made for both, but it was still, you know, sparked up a bit of a fuss in that. But Godbeer, the he, the referee shouted, um, stop, 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 three times, <clears throat> three times. Right, and he even went to grab Harris, and Harris still kicked Godby in the head. There's, there's, yeah. there's no question about it. The I don't think that was enough to stop the fight. Because, like, it was more like a head slap with the foot. Like, he wasn't exactly unconscious from it. It was more like the kick to the, the knee to the nuts that made him like go down after the kick to the head. I think what but, stopped uh, the fight was. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but they may have gone to the video replay for that. Yep. And once you do that, you cannot restart a fight. There you go. That's it. Um, Simple but, as that. I think the correct decision was made on it, to be honest. But, uh, oh, 100%. Like said, and that, that video replay is proven to be useful, you know? That was um, absolutely it, though, wasn't it? Stop, stop, stop. Kicks him in the head. It was, and, and apparently, I, I haven't looked too much into this, but Walt Harris has been uh, calling God Beer online and that disrespectful. And I read somewhere today saying that uh, he nearly caused a fight backstage after the event. Harris did. They should have just sent Verdum in to choke him out again in 30 seconds. <laughs> that should have sorted it out, shouldn't it? So the other... The other... Um, the ear flick. Yeah, so Curtis Blades versus uh, Arnie Nick. Um, so, let's face it. It was basically... So it was basically... He was getting absolutely nailed, wasn't he? Oh, too bad. He was, he was, he was getting absolutely in. battered. For anyone who hasn't watched it, well, which everyone probably who's listened to this will have watched it, he was getting absolutely battered. And then uh, he threw a kick while he was on the floor. It grazed his ear. The referee stopped it to like to check on it because obviously whether it was an illegal blow or not, which it clearly well it, it wasn't. It wasn't because he didn't really touch him. But obviously the intent was there to throw it. But upon the doctor coming in and examining him, it was pretty clear from the earlier onslaught that he wasn't going to be able to continue because the referee he probably didn't even know what date was. Hence the fight being stopped. 
and he stormed out the cage afterwards, didn't he? He wasn't happy, but um, well, that went anyway. down as a as a, a win to Blades. And Fuck yeah. I, Blades is just lucky that kick didn't land, otherwise that would have been a different decision. Oh, yeah, yeah. It would have been like Vandalay Silver. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> just like soccer kick the shit out of him. So that's 217 in the books. Card of the year. Unbelievable. Oh, it's amazing. We've got so much to look forward to as well coming up. So many cards in the run-up to Christmas. It's just like an MMA fan's paradise. So next, I actually can't wait. Next weekend's card um, is, uh, well, this weekend's is UFC Norfolk. Yeah, I just watched the countdown show for that on YouTube. I think they released it this morning or yesterday night. Uh, it was yesterday because I watched it. It was yesterday. I watched it yesterday. Yeah, they pretty, they're good, but like Pettis, don't they couldn't get me. He's an unbelievable fighter. This sport's very cyclical, and it, they, the fighters come and go in runs. It's not like boxing where they fight a shitload of bums and then they get to the upper echelons and like they stay hanging around for a bit. It's like in this sport, you get your run and you've got to capitalise on it when you can. Pettis did that. He won the belt, obviously. He went on an absolute tear. He came up against a wrecking ball in Dos Anjos to tore him a new arsehole. Then Dos Anjos went on the same run. He was unbeatable. He looked invincible. And then Alvarez... Up- Absolutely lit him up. So everything goes in runs. But on the uh, countdown show, they were talking as, as though Pettis was having another run at the bell. I couldn't name ten people in that lightweight division that are beat Pettis now. Yeah, he's got a bit. Of and a, I think Dustin. I think Dustin's one of them. I think it's just because he used to be the champion. He's getting like the easier treatment. Oh, obviously, because they've got to big it up. But then again, to be fair to him, if Dustin uh, beats him, he's beating an ex-champion. He was, to be fair, looking back at which I rewatched the uh, Dustin versus Alvarez fight. He was he was winning that fight. To be fair, yeah, he was. was but... Dustin was winning. And then obviously uh, the illegal blows that ended the uh, thing, as it was uh, classed as unintentional, which it probably was intentional. It was a no contest. Yeah. But they both moved on from that. I would imagine that the, the uh, Alvarez Gaethje fight and the Dustin versus, uh, what's his name, Pettis fight will be both unbelievable fights and it will shake up the lightweight division. And if they both put on impressive performances, they'll be just waiting in the wings behind the likes of Tony and Khabib and Barbosa. Them guys are the ones that are just knocking on the door, ready for that opportunity. Yes, it's getting getting good the lightweight division. So, poor poor Pettis, who are you picking? We'll do a quick picks thing. I am going to go with. I think Dustin's going to finish him in second round. I'm going to go poor third round. Pretty good. What TKO or submission? TKO. Impressive. Um, I like. Pettis, we'll do some quick but... picks now. I like Pettis, but like you said, his, um, I think his run's come to an end and that. And, yeah, his run's come to an end. And uh, and then I'll tell you this for free. Matt Brown versus Diego Sanchez. They might as well come out with lightsabers, swords, rocket launchers, because they're going to be throwing everything but the kitchen sink at each other. Yeah. It's Brown's retirement fight, you know. Oh, yeah, it's be a retirement fight, all right, because they will be throwing absolute bombs. I won't be surprised if both are put on the fight of the year and both retired after it. it. It could happen. So I think someone's going down in the first round in that. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> it's going to be an absolute war. So it's a real pick and fight. Get your coin out, flip it up in the air, see what it lands on, and tell me what you think. I'm honestly going with Sanchez for that, you know. I'm going with Sanchez too, and I think he's going to win. It'll be three rounds because it's a co-main, isn't it? So I think first they're both round, hard. I think they're just going to go. I think, like you said, they're just going to... I think it's going to be maybe first or second, maybe going to the second. But I think they're both hard, 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 hard bastards that have had unbelievably you know, careers that haven't really reached the pinnacle of the sport, but nothing but respect for either of them. And I think it will be a points decision win for Diego, the nightmare Sanchez. I don't think it's, I think it's going to be a finish. I think someone's going to... I'd like to think there was. I'd like to think there was. But... Uh, Arlovsky versus Albini is the third fight. And at this point in the division, I think the UFC at heavyweight are just trying their absolute best to throw these absolute living legends that are nearly 40 years old in with some young up-and-comers and hope to God 
of like stirring the heavyweight division. But what keeps happening is that these old guys just beat the living shit out of them. Well, I lost keys. He hasn't won one in ages. He might have lost his last four. That's what I mean, but for that Albini, it's just like a catapult, isn't it? If he can beat Arlovski and get him on his record, then he will move up the rankings, whether he deserves it or not, because he's beaten a big name heavyweight, and it's such a sparsely populated uh, yeah, weight class. That's it. So, but I don't think it leads anywhere for any of them, really. Like Albini, what, what is, is, he, is he even ranked? I'm uh, gonna have a look now. I don't think he's ranked, but no, despite. Exactly. This fight may get him into the top 15, it may not. But So there's not really much riding on it, really, for either man. It'd be nice if he could get the win, a young 26-year-old guy that has to cut to make the £265 cut-off in the heavyweight division. It'd be nice to see he could make it, but uh, it's a tough one, isn't it? And then we'll have a quick pick for that one. I'm just going to go and say I hope the young guy does it. He's got a nice little record going. Fourteen to, I think he's going to get the job done. Um, yeah. And then moving on to the next fight of the night on the card, Nate Marquardt, who has just been fighting since I was probably two years old, has uh, thirty-eight and eighteen record going up against Cesar Pereira. Why is Marquardt still fighting? That's it. Um, I'm just. He holds a win over um, Woodley, doesn't he? he? Yeah, he does. The Mortal Kombat knockout. The Mortal Kombat combination. But uh, Michael has been training a lot at AKA, I think, for this fight. So he might have been a bit improved, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Ferrer's no spring chicken at 32 years old. He's uh, got a half-decent record, but like I said, no one's really... No one's getting... rushing back to watch this one, are they? No. But I have to go with Friera. Another fight on the card that could be an absolute wreck, car crash of a fight is Lozon versus yeah. Guida. <laughs> that could. I love. I love Joe Lozon. Joe, at this point in all of their careers, they should just put Matt Brown, Sanchez, Lozon, Guida all in a ring, a cage, fatal four-way, last man standing. Takes on the 50k bonus, see you later, because that was just, both fights are going to be absolute fireworks, are they not? Unbelievable. I love Lozon and I feel that he always gets done by the judges. Oh yeah, he does, but he always puts on an absolute wars, doesn't he? Yeah, of so, course he does. So, so does when uh, you've got a record of 27 and 14 and you've been fighting in the UFC for 10 years and they haven't cut you yet, there is a reason for it. And that's because you go, you stand, you bang and you put on a show for the fans. So you've got to respect that really. Yeah, Clay Greed is going to be there. I love his hair, man. It's class. <laughs> if I was picking, I'd pick Lowe's on purely because yeah. he... I think he's just a bit more of a complete fighter and they both love yeah. to brawl and a slightly yeah. better technique should win the day for him. And then Dodson against Marlon Morales. Morales or what his name is. You give me a quick pick on that one. Dodson. Dodson, the magician. Boom. And, uh, and then the last fight that we shall discuss on this card is uh, Sage Northcote making his return and he is eight and two and his opponent Quinios is also eight and two. So saves Northcott, let's face facts. If you don't win this one, he's up shit creek without a paddle. I don't know because he hasn't actually lost at lightweight, has he yet? It's only a welterweight he's lost. Mm. Yeah I know but he's lost two out of his last three, hasn't he? Yeah, but I think he's He's never fought anyone like Impressive, really, hasn't it? Uh, but you he's know, took a whole uh, year off, though, hasn't he? But he's he's moved to Team Alpha Male. He's at Team Alpha Male now. He's done his is he camp. actually there full time, though? Yeah, yeah. He just, uh, he's, done his, he's done his camp there, and he said um, he said that Faber's going to be in his corner at the weekend. Nice, but like yeah. I said, he hasn't fought in a year, so he's had this year out. He's a young guy. He could obviously. But he's he's, he's, been, he's still been training in that year out, so he took a lot in. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's like he's twenty one. He's had like an off season to improve his game, which I think is good for a young fighter. Apparently, he needs been, to take away. Yeah, Faber's been be fighting like, every week. Faber's been um, teaching him one on one transitions, ground game, and all that, which is what he needed to work on. But it, end of the day, if that doesn't result in a victory at that level and the hype that's behind him, then I don't know what will. So I'm going to go with Cody, and I think he's going to... Eh, not Cody. This is also talking about Team Alpha Male. I'm going to go with Sage, and I think he's going to finish him. 
Yeah, we'll finish him on the in the yeah in the stand up. But um, one thing I like about uh, Sage that's made me laugh is as listened to his interviews and that he always calls someone Mister. So he's been calling Faber Mister Faber. Oh my God! Game on this podcast, so you can call me Mister Rossi. <laughs> but yeah, I think Sage does need a win. I think he'll get it. Um, yeah, I'd imagine. Let's talk about something a little bit more exciting than Sage Northcutt, and it was exciting, and it was on the same night as the UFC in the same city, about five miles away, which was sold out the Brooklyn Barclays Centre for the Wilder fight. Oh my God, that was absolute. Don't get me wrong, Stephen came out like a heavy bag in the uh, WBC heavyweight championship fight. But uh, Wilder was Wilder so was throwing a- absolute bombs. Literally could see him coming from China, them punctures. He was absolutely oh. windmilling to the high hills. <laughs> it was brilliant. He came out, did you see when he knocked him down? Yeah. And go up and he was like, please, no, no more. And please the referee, no. he didn't want to quit. And then he just stood there in the middle of the ring like the Undertaker stared him down and then just windmilled the living shit out of him nearly threw the referee into Rose Z after he knocked him out super who's next for Wilder Joshua fact it's got to be both of them have just taken out the mandatory challenges so they now obviously can fight practically whatever the fuck they want Hearn was on will it happen you know well the fact is this is what happened Hearn was on Box Talk Radio a podcast and uh, one of the advisors to Wilder was on it at the same time, and they both agreed that's a fight that needs to happen. And obviously, Hearn is promoting his first card in New York this weekend, the Danny Jacobs fight. Yeah. And while he's out there, he's having a meeting with DeBella, who's obviously the promoter of Wilder, to try and get this fight done. And he's targeting April, May next year, Wembley Stadium. He's going to put that on the uh, put his cards on the table. Because at the end of the day, they ain't going to fight in Vegas. Because it was, Wilder's not the biggest draw in the world. He still fights on free TV, for Christ's sake. So they're going to do it in England. Hearn will make it happen. And it'll be the biggest heavyweight boxing fight in the last 20 years. Yeah, that, I think they'll do England again, especially after the good numbers they got with Klitschko, Joshua. The only possible spanner that could be thrown into the works... And uh, the agreement could be sealed before this point if the uh, talks go well this weekend in New York. Is if David Hay comes out and obliterates Bellew in like the first two or three rounds. And then where do you throw Fury into this mix? Well, I throw Fury into Weight Watchers to get his seven stone <laughs> in and off. Okay, now. He's walking around built like a wardrobe at 25 stone in Monaco this week for the Chisora fight. Oh, we front... ringside. <laughs> he was sat ringside taking up two chairs with two pucker pies in his hand. Chicken balti and meat and potato. He was absolutely stuffing his face. Fair Apparently they had a meeting with uh, Hearn about the fight. He's interested in it, isn't he? He's interested in the money. He's interested in his legacy. But he's also interested in chicken kebabs every single night. So he needs to knock them on head before he can even entertain the thought. But these big fights are coming. Hearn seems to have got his act together and he wants to make the fights happen. And you can't grumble at the fights he's made over the last five years. He has agreed his own so. But uh, can't really grumble at the fights he's put on. No, he's put some good ones on. I'm I'm personally not a fan of him. What, because he uh, probably has majority shares in StubHub and then as soon as tickets go on general sale... All of a sudden, within 30 seconds, they've all sold out, and then they're on StubHub for 44 times the face value. And that's the reason I don't like it. <laughs> and that's why he's lying in his pockets. But like I said, uh, this heavyweight division is absolutely stacked. And uh, I think it'll be... Um, it's obviously it's a long, drawn-out process. But all of them want to fight. Well, Joshua wants to fight twice a year. Hay obviously wants to fight twice a year. Fury, fuck knows what he wants to do. Wilder will fight three or four times a year if he's just fighting like heavy bags. But I think uh, next year you'll see. I think you'll see Wilder versus Joshua, and then I will think you'll see Joshua fight in mandatory, which will probably be the likes of Povetkin maybe later in the year, and then uh, depending on how Hay and Fury go, that should line up the all British sort of showdown the following year sort of time but not to look too far in front 
I think they should be able to get a deal done for the Wilder uh, Joshua fight, and that will be absolute fireworks yeah, because uh, Joshua's got the chin. Everyone says he's got a suspect chin, but yeah, he went down. But fucking hell, if he'd have punched an horse that hard, Klitschko horse would have been knocked out. So I think he's got a decent chin. He got up, he showed out, he came back, and he won. And that's what a champion does. End of day. I was looking at Wilder's record, and it's like. I think Stavern, when he was ranked, he wasn't ranked when he fought the last fight, but like across the board, like with Ring Magazine sort of rankings, the only one that's really worth looking at. Like Stavern's the only person he's ever fought that's been a top 10 fighter. Out of all his fights, like 90% of them have been unranked opponents, which means not even in the top like 300. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We actually had a conversation, me and my friends, and... uh, I don't know what you think to this. You know, if Joshua had to fight his uh, first, like, opponents one after another oh, on the same him, night... Us at the weekend, how far would how he far get? Do you think, how far do you think he'd get? I reckon he'd get to about 12-0 in one night. Yeah, probably. Before he got stopped. It'd be hilarious, wouldn't it? Yeah. Run the gauntlet. And then chuck him in for a World Heavyweight title match against Klitschko. <laughs> All in blind. <laughs> I love him, he's really good for sport as well. Yeah, and he's, he's one so of them well, fighters. So if you look at how the uh, heavyweight division is in the UFC, like, wouldn't you just love to see Joshua and Wilder come in? It could be possible. Not, not possible, like, we're talking hypothetically here. But like, I think he learned a bit of takedown defence. Them guys, I've seen size of them. I'm pretty sure that with their stand-up ability, they would be able to take out a lot of the top 10 guys. While we're on that, this, uh, while we're talking about a subject, I have to bring up a ridiculous tweet I seen at the weekend, right? Yeah, which was? Tony, <laughs> right. Oh, Tony, man. you know what I'm going to say then, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Tony Bell, you tweeted something along the lines of, uh, so UFC Europe tweeted, oh, who, who do you want to win, GSP or Bisping? And Tony Bellew tweeted, I want Bisping to win so that I can fight him in a cage and take that belt off him. And then he, he said to Dan, no, it was Dan Hardy that put the tweet up and he was like to Dan Hardy, yeah, you can teach me and train me. I thought, I, the UFC retweeted it, which is the worst part about it. <laughs> Bellew, to be fair, has had a long and pretty glittering career at a weight class that no one gives a rat's ass about because it's just below heavyweight, so it never garners any attention. But he did have the balls to move up, and it's worked out for him because he has literally made bank in these two hair fights as well. And uh, like I said, it is, it's a really close fight between the both of them. But Saturday night were absolutely epic for UFC when we had all lads around here and we had dominoes in and everything like that. It was literally like a fight companion we should have just set up a microphone in the middle of the room and just everyone gone to town because it was absolutely fucking hilarious, man. It would have been class, but we can look forward to more of them because we've got a card, a UFC card, every weekend now. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll set one of them up and what have you. But, uh, like I said, we'll, uh, we've covered everything we practically wanted to cover there, haven't we? Yeah, just a quick mention. There is uh, uh, Bellator Bama going down on Friday in Dublin. Oh, yeah? Yeah, our friend Farrell's going to be there, representing. What's the main event for that one? Um, it got changed because it was meant to be James Gallagher, but he. Um, oh yeah, he's going to be at UFC, isn't it? Um, he... Is he coming to UFC? No, not yet. Um, I think it is McKee's the main event for that. I'm going to have a look now. It's got some good fights on it actually. Hmm. The first rule of the Fight Scene podcast, if you do not have an, a Wikipedia page, I'm not reviewing or looking into your fight. I'm just getting it up now. Oh, yeah, he fought Madison Square Garden, didn't he? Yeah, he did on the Bellator on the New York card. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm having trouble finding this card at the minute. So. That shows how much interest there is for it. it no, it has generally got some good fights on it. Gallagher would probably do well in the bantamweight division at uh, UFC because there isn't really many... Uh... I know Richard Kiley's fighting for a title and he's only 3 for 0 and there's been a lot of uh, a lot of stick and he's been given a lot of shit for it for getting a, a title shot. Is it Richard Well, let's put it this way. There's only one way to find out. 
Because if he walks in and absolutely murks his opponent and takes the belt, then he can shove it up everyone's ass, can't he? Simple as that. I may have got that wrong. It might not be. I've, I've got my fighters mixed up. <laughs> Hilarious. But yeah, it's this weekend. And, uh, well, Gallagher. So Gallagher was basically meant to be the main event, but now he's out of it. Does anybody know why he's out of it? No, take that back. It is Richard Kiley. is three for zero. It is him. And he's fighting. So what's the main event? Um, I think it's McKee. And why is Gallagher not fighting? Injured. That's pretty shit, isn't it? Since they probably sold all the tickets based upon him being there. They'll be giving him away on Ticketmaster now. No, they're still, they're, they're still sold out. I think it's still got a good reception. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that's that's it from us. And, uh, we'll be uh, we'll be back next week, and it won't be as uh, high profile a fight card review. But like the MMA gods always provide us with uh, some information, and who knows, you could wake up tomorrow morning, they could have announced McGregor versus Ferguson for uh, December. Yeah, they still, need, they still need the 219 event, don't they? The main event. For what do you that. think the 219 has got? The whole card is set in stone, except from the main event, and it will not set the absolute house on fire. But I imagine that the main event is going to be Holly Holm versus Cyborg for the Bantamweight. Is it Bantamweight? Featherweight women's title, is it? Yeah. £145, basically. Think, yeah, they haven't really got anything else, but while we're talking of title fights, apparently UFC 220 is DC. Uh, versus Ozdemir. No time. Because I have no time. <laughs> that fight will remain standing for approximately 13.2 seconds before Daniel Cormier wraps his arms around him, picks him up in the air and launches him onto the floor before putting his entire body weight on top of him and wrestle-fucking him for the next 25 minutes, raining down elbows and punctures upon him. Agreed. Cormier is way... That's the easiest fight in the world to break down. Cormier is too experienced. He won't allow himself to get into the clinch position or into a range where Rosemir can be dangerous. He knows how to control a fight. He knows how to control distance. He's the best wrestler in MMA like in terms of pedigree-wise, I'd imagine, with his Olympic sort of calibre wrestling. So Ozdemir will not know what's hitting when he's got Daniel Cormier laid on top of him. Too right. Anyway... Ooh, one more thing that we have to bring up, and that is the John Jones rumour. Oh, John yeah, Jones. shit, forgot about that. The uh, Free bones. Joe Rogan spoke about. So to cut a long story short, we all know that Johnny Bones loves his Charlie. And two weeks, apparently, before the failed drugs test, it was his birthday. Now, to put two and two together, the steroid that he failed for, which is Turinabol, is sometimes found in dodgy Chinese creatine, which they use to cut with cocaine. So, if he went on a bit of the Colombian marching powder for his birthday, you put two and two together, and you get a failed drugs test. So, hopefully where they can fly the golden snitch out to Colombia in his chopper, land him in one of the uh, cocaine fields, and have him test a batch, see if there's a bit of Turinabon knocking about. Hopefully Pablo Escobar doesn't take his head off. Flies back, we get a free John Jones, he comes back, and regains his light heavyweight championship. And everyone's happy. If only it was that simple, eh? <laughs> God, that wish. I really hope that we get some news on that pretty soon, man. Like, just, just another suspension, regardless of when they come to the decision. The suspension is backdated, so it's not too yeah, bad. Yeah. But, you just want some news on it, man. Let us know like, what's happening, day, so everyone can move on. Not move on as such, but just... Exactly. But it'll just be in the hands of lawyers. There'll be a load of shit happening right now that we have no idea about. Oh, well, too right. We won't know half the stuff that's gone on. So. But like I said, I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see him back. And if the UFC can get away... With uh, if he can get away with like a two year suspension, holy shit! I'm not even kidding. I always say like when he gets caught, ah, fuck him, I'm done with him, I'm done with him. But let's face facts, 
if he comes back, I'll be pissing my pants to see him perform again. Too bad everyone wants to see him. But uh, yeah, on another note, that's the second episode wrapped. We are out. Boom. In the bag. Catch you later. <laughs>